Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Dao De Jing to uncover its timeless wisdom and apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach and consultant. I'm joined by my co-host Yan Felton, a practicing psych- psychotherapist and coder. Hello, Yan. Good morning, David. Good morning. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you.、Uh, we are into a new chapter today,、uh, chapter seventy-two. You know, we have come a long way, so I'm looking forward to、uh, studying this chapter with you and also with our listeners. So yeah, there's a started. Yeah, it sounds great. There's a new new theme arising. These next few chapters that all kind of have to do with、um, the government and people and how happy they are. So yeah, it's 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 nice to to keep making progress through this this book. So why don't you、uh, get started and、uh, and perhaps reading Chinese the original text, and then I will help、uh, translate it for our listeners. Great. Min bu wei wei, ze da wei zhi. Wu xia qi suo ju, wu yan qi suo sheng. Fu wei bu yan, shi yi bu yan, shi yi sheng ren, ze zhi bu ze xian, ze ai bu ze gui. 故去彼取词。That's awesome. Let me uh, uh, do a translation. And this time, I uh, picked uh, picked one of the uh, uh, versions of translations by、uh, somebody Zhang Wu,、uh, hmm. who who is a very interesting figure.、Uh, if I my memory is correct. I think he his he when he was alive he was actually collaborating with a Catholic,、uh, mm. Thomas Merton,、mm. uh, yeah, in uh, uh, even helping、uh, Thomas Merton uh, translate uh, part of Zhuangzi,、uh, mm. you know, the same person if I my、uh, memory is correct. So let me、uh, share with our listener、uh, the English version of what you just read. When the people no longer fear your power, it's a sign that a greater power is coming. Interfere not lightly with their dwelling, nor lay heavy burdens upon their livelihood. Only when you cease to weary them, they will cease to be wearied of you. Therefore. The sage knows himself, but makes no show of himself. He prefers, uh, he um, makes no, uh, he loves himself, but loves, but does not exalt himself. He prefers what is within to what is without. So that's the English translation. 
yeah so that that um translation you know definitely helps bring to light i think some of the the key concepts in a way that some of the other translations maybe don't have as much clear clarity around so i i definitely appreciated that particular translation especially the end talking about prefers what's within rather than what's without yeah i i i like that translation too uh in my practice as a uh leadership coach uh, oftentimes i see that there's a, a correlation between how a leader carries himself or herself and how that person leads the team so hmm. that inside outside uh continuum or connection it's a very important one yes yeah and i'm sure we'll we'll get into more more of the depth of that as we um progress today yeah yeah if if we're looking at this whole chapter you know it seems like that this chapter as you said at the very beginning that um you know this is uh you know really on um uh, uh governing and leading and uh you know in the subsequent chapters uh we're also continue to have that discussion for uh you know a few chapters um what is interesting about this chapter is this connection uh the first part of it is looks like you know from an outside perspective and then the uh the other part of the chapter is about how that sage ruler needs to focus uh, uh focus on the within the mm-hmm. inner part right mm-hmm. so why don't we have um you know we let's uh, discuss uh you know our interpretation and um uh, you know ob- our observations uh in our world you know how this timely uh timeless wisdom it can be applied in a timely fashion you know to what's going on right now okay yeah uh let me ask you you know the first uh sentence here when the people no longer fear your power it's a sign that a greater power is coming. I find it is very interesting. Uh the reason I find it interesting is that you know just universally people uh you know are are conditioned or are trained from early on to respect and have some kind of a fear of authority, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting like what if that authority what that fear is doesn't does no longer exist you know are we plunging into some some kind of a chaos you know so that's the first topic i want to discuss with you uh in your observation or in your life experience how that fear or respect helps enforce order and when people no longer are fearful you know what kind of things are happening well the the first thing i want to go to is trying to set some of the context for what lautza might have been observing so if we think about around 
400 BC when Lao Tzu was around and, and writing this book, that's a rough date. I'm not trying to say exactly 400 BC, but r- roughly around that time. There was a pretty significant change going on in China, which people prior to this era were living communally in small villages, which that is pretty much the the size of groups that we evolved as as people as homo homo sapiens so homo sapien has been around for about a, a quarter of a million years obviously um if you subtract 2000 years which is you know our, our common era from a quarter of a million years it's it's not very much time so this this era of civilization is a very very tiny small fraction of um homo sapiens history and it was around the time when Lao Tzu was writing that we that the Chinese people were moving away from kind of slash and burn um, migratory communal villages where they would kind of stay in an era area for a little while mm-hmm. and and kind of work the land, but then um wouldn't take a permanent living there they would move to a different place after you know a couple couple years mm-hmm. and 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 essentially that's very similar to how we homo sapiens evolved so that was very much aligned with how um we we evolved well right around the time that Lao Tzu wrote iron tools were coming into existence and essentially what that helped people to do was you could a, a, a much smaller number of people could work the land using iron tools and so these communal villages broke down as um the ability to actually possess land arose. So prior, right around Lao Tzu's time, there was the shift from no one owning the land, no one owning property. And these communal villages would, they would be very tightly knit, same small groups of people moving around with no one really possessing the land to the situation where now those communal villages were breaking up into smaller units who would possess land. And what would happen then is that taxation began and, and land tax began. And the, the problem that arose was that because the empire wanted to start enforcing its borders and keeping the, the barbarians out, and doing things like building the walls and wanting to man the walls, mm-hmm. they would tax people. And the problem was is that in and sometimes the taxes would be more than what people needed to actually survive. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this was the beginning of people no longer fearing authority. If if the authority is make is demanding that you give more than what you have to survive, why would you be afraid of that authority? Like you're going to starve to death. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's the beginning of what Lao Tzu was talking, and he, and he was positioned to really see that change happen. Where I mean, he he was probably able to actually like witness that that change. So what you're describing, uh, as I'm listening, reminds reminds me of, you know, what's going on in our world. Uh, very a lot of similarities. For example, the these iron tools, you know, are really kind of a new technologies, right? Mm-hmm. So we have technology advancement in our time, and then taxation. You know, I'm thinking of you know this uh, perpetual debate between how big a government you want to maintain, right? Yeah. To what extent, you know, like um, we, you know, this balance between individual uh, freedom versus, you know, the big government, uh, the burden, you know, Mm -hmm. people carries, especially about a lot of the middle-class people Mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, within that kind of a pyramid, probably carries the the biggest burden in terms of, you know, they're hardworking and then uh, the, they have to pay taxes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's because people haven't changed. Again, kind of going back to our bodies and our minds arose out of this pre-civilized environment. And it's just been recently that we've tried to force ourselves to fit within the constraints of these systems with all of these rules, regulations, constraints, Mm -hmm. taxes. And now I think you can argue that there's literally a battle of people's minds that, I mean, there's been propaganda for a long time, but the extent Mm -hmm. of it now where we encounter these forces regularly that are trying to tell people literally how to think like you need to think think this way so it used to be just like taxing people and taking their money and Mm -hmm. now so much more it's literally trying to take control of people's minds trying to change the the, take control of the thoughts that they have trying to tell people how to think and what to think about things i mean that's a whole new level of oppression yeah, yeah. And people must be, you know, really uh, become very, uh, you know, wary of them. I mean, they yeah. they feel like uh, controlled, you know, uh, you know, sometimes maybe even deceived and manipulated mm-hmm. and exploited in a, yep. many ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if we think about it, we cannot possibly go, you know, go back to the earlier uh, forms of living. And are we stuck? Well, are we stuck in current uh, way of life? You know what? What uh, you know what uh, needs to happen? It sounds to me that um, in many ways, those uh, people in power they have lost to a great extent the you know quote unquote moral authority. 
-hmm. you know i you know i can imagine in in old society you know people find some way to uh, work together right so that mm -hmm. they can all fight against the common enemies right uh, a lot of mm -hmm. the threats in nature so um i remember some of the uh people during the early enlightenment period like uh, mm -hmm. rousseau and others uh you know creating a theory of you know people originally lived in this state of nature but, mm -hmm. but they are willing to give up you know some of their freedom to form you know a, a larger structure that mm -hmm. they're able to you know survive better or they're getting more protected right that's the original uh, almost like a contra social contract mm -hmm. but it seems like people uh, are not uh, skeptical of that contract and the, especially the people in power are they you know really representing us well well you know i'm going to speak probably a little loosely mm -hmm. but it does seem like the people who are really i mean really wealthy like i'm not talking about people with 10 million dollars i mean that's rich but compared to the billionaires 10 million dollars yeah. is not very much money but for yeah. most people $10 million is, it may as well be a billion dollars. That's how poor people are. I mean, mm -hmm. some the person with $10 million compared to the truly wealthy and powerful now that have billions, now hundreds of billions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of dollars, I mean, that's not that much, but it's, it's vastly more than what most people have. So people are relatively poor, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so... I don't think that the truly wealthy are really interested in true quality of, of life for most people. I think that mm. they really are more interested in trying to control the masses. Mm, 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 mm. You know, kind of but going back to controlling their worldview, like trying to get people to think a certain way. Right, right, right. But it seems like there's no counterforce there you know, to, uh, you know, curtail, to, uh, you know, really restrain this growing power. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, like if we're talking about, like, say, in ancient China, uh, uh, you know, in the ancient text, there's always the hierarchy of people, yeah. uh, like in terms of, you know, officials and really agriculture, because mm -hmm. of the, the uh, predominantly that was a agriculture society so yeah. farmers are even like they are uh, res uh, you know they're kind of respected because mm -hmm. it has the greatest contribution mm -hmm. and the businessmen are the most trusted <laughs> and uh, it has a lower social hierarchy but now looking at, at our world looking at china you know looking at uh, uh, you know all parts of the world it seems like this commercial interest this people who are doing the trading, the selling and dealing, you know, they're the one, you know, who holds the most power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without necessarily producing anything. I mean, like yeah. the hedge yeah. fund operators that they just make money off of transactions. They're, they don't actually make anything. They don't contribute anything to society. I mean, they really are parasites. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes, I, I think to a lot, to a lot extent, you know, when you look at, 
as you you're saying, people are in one form or the other. People are making contributions, like even like uh, stay home moms. You know, there's an argument that their labor, their work, uh, doesn't have a value. You know, doesn't have a、mm-hmm. price tag to it. Right. But it's really like valuable in terms of education. You know, helping、mm-hmm. with the society and everything. Uh, but the the irony is nowadays it's all every job. Oh, even like the essential workers, right?、Mm-hmm. It's through the throughout the pandemic we see how critical they they are in terms of working on the front line.、Mm-hmm. But they are really like they are not making a lot. Yeah, they're 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 and, and even though they were essential for everyone else to just kind of stay at home and and work from home and and not spread this disease, yeah, we yeah. didn't we didn't reward them for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, given that's the situation, what do you think、uh, the government's role, or maybe even nowadays, maybe we should rethink about. The role of the government. It seems like、uh, in this Tao De Jing, this chapter, you know, Lao Tzu is envisioning,、um, you know, this、uh, ruler sage. So, should we like interpret this as, you know, this ruler is a government? You know, I, I think,、uh, in some way, The society has evolved so much. Mankind, right? The human nature hasn't changed that much, but the forms of、uh, governance、mm-hmm. have evolved over the years.、Mm-hmm. So, what can we distill from this ancient text and apply some of the basic, maybe basic principles、mm-hmm. to help understand our society nowadays? Or perhaps make it a little bit better. Well, I think talking about a, a spectrum sometimes can help help people, just because I think Taoism in general deals with with spectrums or dialectics, where、mm-hmm. you don't really talk in absolutes, but more of you know where do things lie within、mm-hmm. a, a range,、mm-hmm. and.、Yes. And the interactions of of things. So I think with government on one end of the spectrum, there's tyranny,、mm-hmm. and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the the sage like ruling, the ruling of the sage. So Lao Tzu was on the opposite end of the spectrum from from tyranny, and and actually. What we we might even think, because Lao Tzu was about moderation, not even necessarily on on the opposite end, but more like situated in the middle of the spectrum. So, you know, not completely uninvolved in governing, but certainly not tyrannical. Like something more of a balanced approach in in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so clearly, you know. Tyranny is what produces the results where people are no longer afraid of authority. I mean, if you stamp on people enough and create enough hardship for them, it might work for a while.、Um, 
there's been plenty of um, tyrannical governments, mm -hmm. especially in the 20th century. But if you look at how many of them ended in disaster, whether it was, you know, Saddam Hussein's reign that ended with him being hung and executed, Muammar uh, Gaddafi, who was a tyrant and um, eventually the people turned on him and killed him in, in the streets or Idi Amin, who eventually, I mean, he was a horrible monster, but then eventually the people ran him out of the country and he fled to um, Saudi Arabia and lived in exile there. So, so tyranny can work for a while, um, but eventually people grow weary of living in, in terror and they rise up and, and most of the time it ends in disaster for the tyrant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I think that for Lao Tzu, you know, it's, it's somewhere in the middle where it's not the kind of like hands off where the, the ruler just sits in, in his palace and, you know, eating food and drinking fine wine and, and, and ignoring the people, but it's also not this oppressive con trying to control every aspect of people's lives. It's mm -hmm. something in the middle. I mean, that's the moderate approach of, of Lao Tzu throughout um, Tao Te Ching. And so it would apply to his style of governance as, as well. Right. It sounds like that is similar to what he's described as how a Tao operates, right? Mm -hmm. Tao nurtures people, but doesn't possess mm -hmm. people, try yeah. to interfere with what they're living. But yep. when you look around, you know, Tao is there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, providing uh, resources, you know, providing this ecosystem mm -hmm. for people to survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. So what you're describing here, this, you know, idealistic, like a sage ruler should emulate a Tao, right? Not to exactly. really, really meddle through, like trying to, you know, get very uh, micromanaging or overtaxing. I think a lot of mm -hmm. times, uh, you know, I'm thinking, what do you think is the really uh, the key difference uh, let's say, uh, beyond their maybe styles or their forms of uh, ruling, like the, the uh, tyrants and the sage ruler. What, at the, at the heart of it, what's the key difference? What's the... It's the these last two lines. So mm. um, the, the tyrants, so if we go to... Um, um, uh, so that you're... So the sage knows himself, but doesn't display himself. The mm -hmm. tyrants don't know themselves at, at, at all. What they know is how to control people and, mm -hmm. and display themselves. I mean, you look at these mm -hmm. governments that have been run by tyrants. Mm -hmm. It's photos of them, like paintings. The, the, the billboards are, are paintings of the rollers everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, their faces are hung in everyone's houses. 
and then mm-hmm. this this other line too. Um, so right, um, yeah. the sage loves or or cares about themselves, but doesn't esteem themselves. So the tyrant is the opposite. the The, the mm-hmm. tyrant doesn't know love for anything. It's just this narcissistic self worship. Right. This strong sense of uh, entitlement. Right. Yes. I'm entitled to live a you know a life of you know food you know like wine and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, concubine or yep. What? Yeah. Okay. Gaddafi had um, Gaddafi mm-hmm. had a whole. Um, he wanted to present himself as being this you know in, in the seventies this very forward thinking. Um, women's rights and equality. And right. so he, he had this whole secret service of right. women soldiers that traveled with him everywhere, but, right. but he slept with all, I mean, they were his concubines. Right, right, right. So it was all for show. It wasn't anything sincere at all. Interesting. Uh, let me ask you a follow-up question. You know, obviously during that time, uh, Lao Tzu didn't have any, uh, at least he didn't use the word democracy. How democracy fit into this uh, continuum you are talking about? It it sounds to me like democracy, uh, you know, conceptually, uh, to some extent, is the an, you know antidote to tyranny. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the key argument for democracy. Because if you have tyrants, then you are holding this ultimate power. You are uh, above the law. Right, law is mm-hmm. the will of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that democracy necessarily lead to, you know, good good governance? Because if you now you're listening uh, between the line, you know, let's say the current president, like uh, uh, you know, President Biden, is talking about this competition between China. Right, this is it's really like uh, democracy versus. Uh, he didn't use the word tyranny. But he uses another uh, autocrat. Uh, it's not autocrat. Autocracy. Autocracy. Yeah, he didn't use tyranny, but he used the word autocracy. Mm-hmm. So how are we making of this? And uh, you know, obviously there's some kind of a, a thinking or a, you know, kind of a, a, a belief of the the merits of different systems. If we kind of bring that discussion into, uh, you know, what we're talking about, tyranny versus uh, uh, versus uh, the uh, another part of the continuum, which is the more of a, like a say people based, right? Uh, like a sage ruler kind of a paradigm. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing about that is that it's kind of superficial. In in some ways, like if you think about, I mean, we both um, are familiar with the common people and how they live in the U.S. and and in China. It's not that different. It is really not very different. <laughs> I I I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. And having lived uh, in this country for while, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, interestingly, you know, uh, I think if you look beyond the, the 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 dramatic, sensational stories in the media 
or the caricature that the politicians portrayed, right? Yeah. I mean, common people are common people. Mm -hmm. They have their dreams and they have their fears. That's, I agree with you. And there's a similar class structure in, in both countries now. I mean, people talk about, oh, well, in China, the the people are, you know, working in these factories and it's so oppressive and it's like, mm. well, it's the same thing. We talk about the Amazon workers and how they can't unionize and how they're tracked every minute of their work shift. Mm -hmm. And if they don't make their delivery times, like they're, you know, urinating in bottles while they're driving because they can't even stop to use the bathroom. I mean, does that sound very good to you. Um, so, you know, uh, China's still catching up, obviously, but for the most part, they're very they're very similar for the common people and and how they live. And so, the real question is, again, going back to um, ownership. I mean, who who owns? The government in a democracy it's supposed to be the people but what we really know in both countries is that you know the government is owned by the the wealthy and the powerful and and in china that might be more the autocrats at the top of the communist party like xi jinping and mm -hmm. um but also the billionaires there are going to have some influence on how things are are done, but it's mainly the the people at the top of the party. I mean, they're they're the making. Party. The, I, I the, think yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's I, I think that's a astute uh, observation. Not yet the big business, uh, yeah. even though I'm sure, uh, giving their wealth, they're trying to uh, play a role in the government. Uh, it seems like at this point in history of mm -hmm. China, uh, I think it's still the party. And the mm -hmm. party believes it has a larger mandate. Uh, mm -hmm. So even like say, uh, just uh, you know, at the beginning of the July, when the Chinese Communist Party they celebrated mm -hmm. the they celebrated the uh, the 100th anniversary of the founding of the party. Mm. I remember in the speech of Xi Jinping, there's a saying that the party there's a, almost like a pledge. The party mm. will never. Uh, uh, cater to special interests, you know, mm -hmm. in some way it's mm -hmm. alluding to America, you know, I yeah. think that's how the yes. politicians from the two countries are trying to portray themselves mm -hmm. as, you know, you know, they're just like, a, you know, critiquing each other in some way, uh, mm -hmm. directly or indirectly. So yeah. that's what I experienced too, that in the American government, I originally, when I study political science at Harvard, I thought, you know, it is uh, based on the notion. And I, I think in maybe in the early part of the history, those early founders, they truly believe mm -hmm. uh, learning from the old world, which is Europe, right? Mm -hmm. And also influenced by enlightenment. You know, they're trying to take into account that this, uh, you know, human nature and, you uh, and say, you know, let's just uh, let's discuss, let, let's uh, design and create an ex experiment mm -hmm. uh, of a new, uh, like a, of a new structure, so that really truly represent 
the common interest of the people, right? Mm-hmm. But then uh, later on, you know, after I graduated, uh, I, uh, you know, went to the real world. Um, for many years, I started to see that actually a lot of the interest of the government, what it says, it's not in con- it's not in congruence with what they are profess, uh, what yes. they are saying. So that's yes. where I start to feel like a, a disillusion a little bit because, uh, you know, what is being said and what is being truly being done, it's not consistent. So then mm-hmm. looking at what is going on right now, I feel a lot of people just like myself feel like, have, you know, almost like um, can't listen to what politicians claim. Exactly. And so that's just be you know, close the loop and, and make it clear what the difference is then in America is that we don't have autocrats at the top of the party making all the decisions. Structurally, big, structurally, yeah. yes, yes. We have big yeah. business. Big business makes big business and political action, big money. Big money decides what the policies are going to be in in America. The end result for the common people in both countries is the same, which is that you know, there's, there's other people making decisions and the, the average person doesn't really have much of an input into that. Out of their own interest, right? Yeah. It's, it's out it's, of their it's, own interest. Both, yes. both are, I think, to a great extent, are further away from this notion of a, uh, of a sage, uh, a sage ruler. For sure. Because n- n- both of them, like you're saying, the people making the decisions, they're living in a different world. They're not living in the world of the common man. They're living in this, you know, different worldview that's completely divorced from what the average person is living in. And there's no dialogue between the two. It's very top. Both of them are are top down, regardless of who's at the top. They're both top down. But the thing is, they all claim they all claim they represent the people, right? Yeah. But structurally, I think in this country, they are really the, uh, you know, to exaggerate a little bit, are the, the puppets of the, mm-hmm. the big, in, uh, yes. big business and the interest. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and, and then in China, they, you know, the party and the people are not the same. Although mm-hmm. they will say, we represent the people. We have mm-hmm. the legitimacy because history has chosen us. Mm-hmm. History has chosen chosen us, and we are doing everything for the people. But when you look at the corruption, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. in both countries there are good politicians, right? Yep. There, there's a few in the government, and they their their heart in the, is in the right place and sacrificing and doing their best. Uh, to represent who are who elected them. In yeah, this some country. hardworking politicians do exist. Yeah, and also the same thing. Not every Chinese Communist Party is corrupted because you do see from my own network, my friends. You know, you know, a lot of my friends and and people. They are they are party members, but mm-hmm. they work really hard as uh, hardworking professionals mm-hmm. in their whatever role they are having. Mm-hmm. But it's the overall structure. I yeah. think that overall, uh, you know, this um, system 
Yeah. That I feel like that in in a lot of ways are are, are failing to deliver a vision that the common people are served. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's look at some of the. I mean, if if in this country, I think if we look at, you know, there's a couple of symptoms to look at. I mean, if you look at, um, I'm going to bring up two things, the homicide rate and the suicide rate. And the homicide rate in the U.S. is about, I think, 25,000 homicides a, a year. And the suicide rate is about, is actually d double that, that there's about twice as many suicides in the U.S. as homicides. Homicides are dominated by young black men killing young black men. And so, you know, our young black men are being failed. Um, and then at the same time, though, if you look at the suicide rate, and, and this is what is, I think, just really overlooked by the... Um, the media and our society, 70% of suicides are white men. So there's double the suicides as homicides and 70% of those suicides are white men. So, and, and older white men. So men, you know, 50 or above. So, you know, the symptoms are there that, um, what we generally see as like a privileged class white men and mm -hmm. an underprivileged class of um, black men mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. young black men are killing each other and older white men are killing themselves. So social economically, you know, taking, you know, putting aside the, the, the racial uh, dimension of it. Mm -hmm. Social economically, are these people are the what we call the common people, right? Black yeah. or white? Yeah, the common right? people. Yes, they let's take the, the racial dimension out. The common people. They are the common people. So, what are they suffering uh, that lead to, you know, you know, I I I can use the word of like a pains. Whether violence mm -hmm. is a pain, you know, there's mm -hmm. a saying that. You know, if a pain cannot be transformed, it will be transmitted. It mm. will be transmitted mm -hmm. through, you know, violence. Yeah, so acting out. Yeah. Acting out like, a, you know, some of the homicide. Mm -hmm. And then the suicide. So I, I want to, you know, pose a question and, uh, you know, hear, um, you know, some of your observation about, you know, what about their pain and suffering? that lead to, you know, suicide or homicide? Well, I mean, fundamentally, you have to look at the, the loss of hope. If, if either, mm -hmm. if, if any of these people had hope or um, faith that their lives could be better, you certainly wouldn't kill yourself and you're, you're probably not going to be killing other people. Others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why is there so much despair? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. 
And in the country that's supposed to be the wealthiest country, I mean, is the wealthiest country in yes. the world. If the wealthiest country in the world with all this technology also has so much despair, mm -hmm. doesn't that point to a failure on the leaders? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes I was even wondering if that should that be the role of the government? To what extent it is the role mm -hmm. of the government or mm -hmm. the role of the leaders? Mm -hmm. To what extent is the human condition? So, in, but it seems mm -hmm. like the reason I have this uh, uh, fixed notion of you know the government should do something is probably my education and the conditioning mm. that the government plays a role. Somebody yeah. put that words in my mind, because otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, if I were born <laughs> without that mm -hmm. expectation, then that's another story. But it seems like we all somehow through our life, like we're told that the, the government is the guardian or is the steward mm -hmm. of the society. Unless like we're changing this thing and not doing the expectation. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? It's a matter oh, yeah. of expectation. Yeah. And, and so I, I agree that all of us ultimately have the responsibility to try to be sage-like. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we don't just kind of punt the ball and say, oh, this is up to the, the government, mm -hmm. we should all be cultivating our own hearts like the sage right and so then we can look at our culture like what is it culturally why why is so let's let's take government out of it and just say why is our culture creating so much despair well first of all what is culture right what is culture mm -hmm. what, what 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 does culture consist of well, I think it's the 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 thoughts, beliefs, and worldview of of a people that then produce the the art, the the re, the relationships, the the, the commerce, rituals, the commerce, the commerce, the the, the, va the values, the values, right of right. a people. Culture produces values, right. So why is our culture produce? Why is our culture and what we value producing so much despair? That's a great question. Wow, that's, that, that is a, maybe a thinkable moment. The why, so the question, could you rephrase the question? Yeah, if, if it's our culture that also produces our values, mm -hmm. why is our culture producing so much despair? Because let me attempt to answer this question and mm -hmm. maybe we can uh, think aloud together. Mm -hmm. uh, because I find some of the values on the surface, they sound very good and appealing. But when you really think hard, some of the values don't necessarily reflect the timeless values. Mm. That's my initial instinct. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, one of the values is individualism. Mm 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That cater or respond to our common desire to be free, right? We, no one, <laughs> you know, as a living thing, mm-hmm. no one wants to be oppressed or in some way. Right? Yeah. But I feel that value of individualism promoted in our culture actually has its own agenda. So mm. in, in other words, it has its own self-serving element in it mm-hmm. that is hiding from most people, unless some of the people experience the consequences of going f- too far. So and what that's is that agenda? I, well, that agenda is uh, uh, making money. I mean, yep. making money and uh, uh, taking more power. Yep. Controlling, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are the things. I, I think that agenda is never revealed, but gradually, as our world is becoming more transparent, mm-hmm. I think we all realize it. When we realize it, for example, when I realize it at the age of 52, here's where I am now, there is a little bit of a a disappointment or despair. Mm -hmm. Like say, you know, am I going to just pretend, uh, continue to live a life based on those kind of Mm -hmm. things? Or are there other ways out, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe go back to history. I mean, what we're doing right now, I feel we're finding alternative thoughts and perspectives by taking us for the time being, even though we are in it right now. Yeah. But we are also, we don't want to be enslaved by whatever is here. Yeah, this, that's this. our way of dealing with it. And you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. there are other ways, you know, maybe the easiest way out is to maybe commit suicide. Right? Yeah. The easiest way out is to lash on to somebody else and to mm-hmm. blame somebody. Mm-hmm. It's them. It's not us. I mean, yeah. those are many, many easy ways. That, I mean, it's it's just incredibly profound what you're saying. And that the the hard work is, is there an element of the political? Sure. But ultimately, I think that way out again and, and what we're looking for, it, there has to be a spiritual component to it. And that spiritual component is spelled out by Lao Tzu in this chapter of you have to cultivate the inside. That the, the problem of culture is a spiritual problem, not a political problem. You're not going to solve these problems by trying to force people to think a certain way, by trying to force people to adhere to your beliefs, to try to shame the the outgroups that you know want to see the world not exactly like you, and that Unless we all raise our consciousness, unless we all develop our spiritual hearts, this situation isn't going to change no matter how political we get. 
That's very well said. Uh, I think, you know, when I think about this, I even think, like, say, the more hope we placed on political leaders or business leaders or other people who claim they have the formula or the silver bullets, the more we are sucked into this black hole that brought us the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. This 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 kind of uh, superstition, like they, you know, we we have I I I feel like with ourselves to do that spiritual uh, awakening is hard. It's a daily practice, uh, but it is it is necessary. Uh, it mm-hmm. is difficult, but it is necessary mm-hmm. to go that route as opposed to even like turn this politics thing into some kind of a religion. The real, the real spiritual power lies within each of us. And we have to recognize it, acknowledge it, and find venues, find partners to grow it. If we cannot do that, I don't think there's any hope. Well, I, I'm inspired, and and I'm I'm ready to do more. So hopefully, we can do more together. Great, great. I feel the same way. I, I feel like uh, you know I didn't expect a conversation uh, about this chapter to go this way, but always it's interesting. We are uh, you know we are following you know our our um, we're following the the flow of this and. Mm-hmm. Uh, open-minded you know to explore this timeless wisdom okay great so uh we're about at the top of the hour and uh let's wrap up this and i'm hoping that um, our listeners today you know from this chapter we discuss that really uh you know just like uh both of us uh learn something from you know, really go back in time uh, to go to go, uh, you know, to uh, uh, feel the mind and heart of Laozi, and uh, and to try to understand from a different uh, a different perspective uh, than our time. You know what that way of living, that way of uh, interacting with people, uh, looks like. Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, Thank you.